Yeah, so um, let me just share it a little bit with you. I'm, I was opening my um, Bible there, and you wouldn't believe what fell out. Of all things, a bookie docket. What's the odds of that? And um, I'm going to find it. It's in Jeremiah 29.11, so just find Jeremiah 29.11. And what's on this bookie docket? Paddy Power. Right? So, there's a crew that goes out on a Thursday night, or they went other nights for, or do we with them on a Thursday night, they feed the homeless and connect with people that are living lonely within, within certain areas. And where I go to is Ballyferman. And a couple of weeks ago, Tom and the team was out there, and so I read out these names. Noli, Patrick, Gary, Gerard, Honor, and Catherine. And, uh, and I, so he wrote the names down because they had made some type of confession to Jesus on the streets of Ballyferman. I says, give us that talk. So I want to keep their names to pray for them. I pour in my Bible. And towards the night I was out there, and Noli, Patrick, Catherine, and Jer were there. And they come to get some food. And they go, can I have a prayer? So outside, because this is where it's outside Paddy Power's bookies. Outside Paddy Power's bookies, there's Tom over there, like Aaron Alto. I'm serving the tea and coffee, and Tom's over there outside the bookies, praying for these people. And this morning, as I was coming down Coilmore Road, turned up like the industrial estate to get onto the M50, and there was Noli and Jer walking down to church in Bluebell. Isn't God so good? Isn't God so good that like the two of them, like just... Just being their in, in, inevitable self, just walking down to praise the Lord. And Jer, Gerard, he says to me on tour tonight, can I put in a request for a song on Sunday? I says, what is it, Jer? He says, Waymaker. Waymaker. That God is a waymaker. And I just want to encourage you, don't give up praying. Don't give up like, believing for people that like, might seem the Ford is away from Jesus because Jesus is on the move. Believe me, look at it new here. And you think you'd never probably be in the church in all of your life. You'd never be lifting your hands up, and yet you're here. And you know what? Like, just to share, like where, where I come from in life, like Dolphins Barn, it's been knocked down, actually, the old flats. And uh, where, where we started off, we started off with a friend of mine, Finn O'Finley, sharing the gospel that Jesus was real in my flat in Dolphins Barn. And then we got saved on the 22nd of March, 1989, Tuesday, about 9.40 in the evening. Now, if you don't memorize that, you won't get into heaven, because they're going to ask you that at the gate. <laughs> when did Noel get saved? So, 22nd of March, 1989, Tuesday evening, about 9.40. Evangelist Ryan Harpon, was speaking. He gave a call for those who want to know Jesus. Myself and Sharon went forward, right? So, we go back to the flats, not knowing anything. There was mayhem. You can imagine all the stuff that goes on in a flat complex like that. There was addiction everywhere. There was generational courses. There was broken families. There was broken lives. People were dying of HIV AIDS. Like we probably buried, well, the last figure I was at was 444 uh, young men and women gone, wiped out. Three brothers of mine gone. Neighbors gone. People I went to school with. And in the midst of all of that, Jesus showed up. That's where, when there's problems and destruction, that's where he wants to show up. He doesn't say to the church, run away from it. He says to the church, run right into it. And the church has retreated behind walls like this for centuries. But there's a new call to go. There's a new season where we're like, wherever you are, shine on your spot. If you walk in McDonald's, shine on your spot. If you're raising your kids and you're going to the school gate, shine on your spot. Just be who you are. And let him shine through you. And in the midst of all that, in this little flat, 189 Dolphin House, 
we moved from 76, it was like uh, blockbusters. We were going from one block to the next. We nearly had a gold run. But anyway, uh, we went from that over to this other block. And then we sat with Sharon. We had little Patrice at the time. Um, he was only four when we got saved. And uh, we moved over there. I'd asked Sharon to marry me. And uh, we moved over. We got married and moved over to another flat. And then our own little church expanded. With another three kids. We see in that flat. See in that little house of ours. Jesus showed up more times than you could ever imagine. We started. We opened our flat to people. We opened our flat to those who nobody wanted first of all. Those who are living on the canal, those who, you know, you know the lads that take 18 sugars in their tea? That's who I'm talking about. You know, the next time you come, bring your bag of sugar. Or take another six now. Sandwiches, kids' clubs, youth clubs, in this little flat, this little place. God moved in the little flat reached out to a community that was broken and damaged. And you could imagine, I went to more funerals than you could, than you could imagine during that season. You know what used to be out at the funerals? You know, um, wind beneath my wings, boy, um, what's her name? Wind's beneath my wings, you know your woman? Bet Midler. Yeah, give that man a, give that man a, a, a pencil. Yeah. Like, that wind beneath my wings, if I ever hear that song, I want to run. Because all it reminds me of is funerals that everybody played at, at funerals and whatever. And you can imagine all the brokenness. In the midst of all that, there was a little flat, a little house. Not a cathedral. Not a building like this even. But a little place where people believed that Jesus was real. And Jesus would do what he says in his word. And we believed. We baptised people in that bath. In that little flat. We lived on the bottom. I remember we were baptising somebody, and uh, so people were taking photographs. There was a few Americans over there, the only ones that had cameras at the time. And uh, they were taking photographs, and someone was up on the window looking in like this, and like, it was just pictures that you can only imagine, hoping that God would take a picture of it and show you what that is when you get to heaven. And then um, all the things, people getting saved, people getting healed, people getting delivered, people getting their families back together, people walking with Jesus, people being baptised in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and moving in the gifts, people learning how to preach and teach, people learning how to make mistakes and being encouraged to get back up again. In a little flat. And, and why am I saying all that? Because Liberty Church, this is where we believe with all of our hearts God wants to take us. He wants us to meet like this on a Sunday, but in the midweek we, we want to have churches in homes around all around the city. Why do we want that? Because I don't see people coming from... I'm trying to think of the name of the place around here. Fasero. Although there's someone here from Fasero. But I don't see the minions coming, the millions coming to, to be in church on a Sunday. Because Jesus never said come to church. Jesus said to the church, go to them. And we want to have our churches in houses in midweek where people can grow in their gifts, people can be disciples, people can be used by God, people can worship God within the communities. It's enough times where, and then we can come together and celebrate like this on a Sunday. But I want to tell you like this, I never learned how to preach in a gathering like this on a Sunday. I learned in that flat. I didn't even learn how to pray in a, in a, in a, in a, in a gathering like this. Although I love these gatherings and I love them and I always want them. But I didn't learn how to walk with God in these. They encouraged me to walk with God. They helped me to fellowship with other people and get to know friends. But it all happened in the smaller set. And that's what we want for you. 
So that you can grow in the things of God. And not only grow, but those who are, are older in the Lord can give up their giftings, can give up the space. Because there's only really one speaker here this morning. But I guarantee you God had preachers sitting here. I guarantee you God has teachers sitting here. I guarantee that God has prophets and evangelists. I guarantee you this because this is the way he is. But in the bigger sense, only a handful of gifts gets on show. And you all come and watch my gift. But what about your gift? That's why they're important. So 2019, Rob and myself started to pray every morning. And the Lord, we went looking for strategy. We went, Lord, what's the next step? 2019, remember that year. Because 2020 was to come upon us. And so was the coronavirus and lockdown and all that stuff. So we were praying and we were saying, look, we'll just see what the Lord has for the next season. And then went two days into it probably. The presence of God was so real that we said, Jesus, we don't want anything. We only want you. But see, when you go after the king, you get the thing. Too many is going after the thing, and they miss the king. Are you with me? If you go after anything before him, this church, doctrine even, go after prosperity, it burns out. Because you're, going, you're, going, you're trying to get something that's not involved the king. But if you go after the king, you will prosper. People even go after healing. They go after healing, and miss the healer. And it burns out. But if you go after the healer, you get your healing. Are you with me? So like we were like, just like all of a sudden, like God was, Jesus there, just was so unbelievably present. Honestly, guys, you'll understand this. I was sitting there mornings on the chair, like I was just goofing off. Like I was like, wow. Jesus, I don't want to be anywhere else in this world other than in your presence right now. That the peace was intoxicating. The peace was overwhelming. And it was in them places God started to show us some things. One was, this is one of my favourites, that God started to show us that he was the king that is not up in a palace during war times, but he leads his people into victory. And that was, oh, yeah, I know that. Now, but see, when you see it, you know I know it. <laughs> see, I can know something up here, but I can know I know it when it goes from here to here, or when what's in here explodes up into here. And that was a great one, but the ones they showed me that, that really helped shape, I wish it would have been more clever, or maybe the Lord just didn't want to show us. But I was praying, we were praying one morning, and do you ever get them moments when you're praying, like, so you start off praying, there's only two of us there, and like, you're, you're, you think you're standing like this, facing, say, I was facing Rob, but when you open your eyes, you're, you're like, you have to turn it around somewhere, and you're, you're facing the other way, and you go, how did I even get to be facing that wall? I ended up facing the window, the Lord gave me a vision. And in the vision was the whole of Ireland. And in the whole of Ireland, there was all these dwelling places, whether it was high-rise apartment, apartment blocks or thatched houses down the country or sprawling estates. You can make tents, people living in tents. Like, it was like all these dwellings that you can imagine. And, uh, and I looked down and there was a fire coming out of the top of them. And it was like, it was like a, I was seeing this big picture and then it zoomed in just for me to see right into the windows, into the soul of these homes and whatever. And in them, there was people sitting around homes, families sitting around tables, worshipping Jesus. Like in every dwelling place you could imagine, right? And, and, uh, and the prayer that fell out of my mouth was, was, Lord, set our worship on fire. Set our worship on fire. It wasn't about reach the nations. It was about set our worship of Jesus on fire in the homes. And so anyway, I was like sharing it with Rob. Then locked in, borders, coronavirus came. Now, I don't believe, I thought, maybe I missed the Lord. Maybe you were telling me to get prepared for what was going to happen. Because where, where were we? We were locked down at homes. 
Where were we when we were having Zoom meetings? Where was everybody? In homes worshipping Jesus. But that's not what he showed me. It wasn't about the coronavirus, but what it did show me, that all it took was a little virus to close down everything. To close down buildings like this. To close down cathedrals. To close down churches across the world that have 20 and 30,000 sitting in their buildings. Close to all down. But here's the thing. The, 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 the buildings were closed down, but the church wasn't closed down. I've seen my pastor says, no, they're closing down the church. No, they're not. I'm not closed down. The building might be closed down, but the church is never closed down. And, and it was during them times we realized that that's all it would take. But if we're, if we're ahead of the game, we've already set worship up in homes. We've already set people in place to be able to worship Jesus, to be able to disciple one another, to be able to be pastored, to be able to bring out the gifts of people, to be able to see Jesus moving in communities. That's, that's the goal. That's the, that's the reality of what we're called for. Every gift God has given you is for someone else. There's no gift that belongs to me. It's for you. It's for others. And when we see it that way, and then we're not afraid of that gift. Sure, it's not for me, no. What are you hiding it for? It's for someone else. Give it away. And as you give your life away, he gives you more life. But when we try to hold on to it, you ever notice that you try to hold on to it and you lock yourself down? Give your pain away. Tell others, this is what God healed me from. What a tremendous vision. It was amazing vision. It was amazing of something that God wants to do across our nation. Our nation. And, now, and why that's really important is this. I have all this documented, right? But another vision came. Not the same day, I don't know about times and months and whatever, I'm not good at this. But uh, another vision, can you imagine this? If I was an artist, and if you're an artist or a graphic designer, and you could even get a taste of what I'm saying and put it on a piece of paper for me, I'd be your friend forever. There was this line drawn, right? And on the side, that side of the line, like a battle line. And on that side was all the world's systems, governments. Everything that the world has to display was on this side. Like, for instance, there was, there was the, the, um, all the military might of the world. So you can imagine what that is. A couple of, a year ago, or so ago, we've seen 40 miles of tanks coming into Ukraine. So you can imagine, like, that's just, that's just the Russians with the 40 miles of tanks. Now think of, their, think of the world's um, airplanes, weaponry, you know, satellite weaponry, all the things, the shields, the scud missiles, everything, all there pointing like, towards somewhere like, on this side of the line, right? And, and, and it was all... Now, that's just the military might, and I'm, I'm, I'm not, even, not even expounding on that, but then all the political might was there, all the different uh, ideas and philosophies about different types of uh, governmental and how to run people and all different political systems and all of that stuff, they were all represented there. Not only were they there, but all the financial people of the world, all the big banks, all the people that are behind the banks, they were all there with all their, all their might in regards to money. Education was there, all the worlds with all the, all the world's philosophies and teachings and, and humanistic thinking and atheistic thinking, they were all there. And not only were they there, but all the religious systems of the world was there. There was all types of people with all their philosophies and all their theologies and everything there. And they were looking all this way. So you can imagine like a big scene across a whole field. And uh, So anyway, bigger than a field. Tens and tens and thousands on this side looking this way. Next one I see. Now I've seen all this in a nanosecond. This is the greatest thing about it. I could tell you what colour clothes people were wearing, but it was all like that. 
So anyway, they were all facing, waiting on someone. Who was the someone? The church. Who was the someone? The church. And we were all running towards this lion. Right? And we could see all that was there. We could see all the military money of the world. We could see everything that the world had to offer. And, uh, and we were running, but we weren't afraid. We weren't like, oh, look at that. We were running so much, we were like, get out of the way. Like, I want to get there first. And, and there was all that type of joy and, and, ex- and excitement about getting to wherever this line was. And we were running, all the church was running. And we all stopped right on the line with like a, a, a jump like this. And our hands were raised up. And we started singing, how great is our God. Sing with me, how great. And the world and all the system was looking at us going, you idiots. You imbeciles. And every time they said that, we'd sing another song like, um, um, Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art. And then they'd say something else and we'd come up with it. And then all of a sudden the guns started to melt, the tanks started to melt. Ideas didn't seem worthy anymore of their intellect. All their theology and philosophies didn't make sense. And what we were doing was just singing to God. What we were singing to, we weren't even looking at them because we could see the king that was above all the world's systems. And as we were doing that, there was things melting. People were, were walking away. Money didn't mean anything. Education didn't mean anything. Their theology and religion didn't mean anything because the king was being exalted. No wonder he wants to set our, our worship on fire. See, there's two ways worship affects things. Three ways. It affects our heart. But in the spiritual realm, there's a thing called subsonic sound. What's that mean, though? I don't know. What's that mean? You know, I've been reading about elephants recently. And elephants, they make this... You can imagine elephants have tons and tons of them. And he says that they find that subsonic is underground. And they send these messages underground to other elephants, saying there's danger in the area, or there's water in the area. So there's this sounds, the vibrations that go under the earth, that, where elephants have this knowing, they read it all with their feet. That like they read these vibrations and sounds with their feet saying, well don't go there because someone's up there and they're telling us there's danger. Or they've been looking for water, that's where the water is. And worship is like that, it goes, it sends out these sounds. Everywhere there's a sound, there's a vibration. And the vibrations say something and do something and people read them vibrations. Look how many times you've been moved by a song whether it's in church or, or on the radio, that you just get so moved because the sound and the vibration of the sound and where that's coming from touches something deep within you. That's what worship does. It changes the landscape. So, like, I'm delighted I'm in church this morning. And if this little um, stomp, worship stomp, affects the people in the immediate, praise the Lord. But if we're in houses all over the city, well then houses in the States and communities are being affected by that substance. And those who are thirsty will hear it. I'm telling you they'll hear it. Those who are hungry will hear this sound. They will hear there's a sound of freedom over there. I just know those people are up to something. They have something that I don't want. And then there's subsonic. That's like, you know, like the, no, the subsonic, the supersonic. That's the one that goes over the air. And that shifts atmospheres in worship. That shifts atmospheres in communities and places. 
where people don't want to know God. Read up history. Read up, read up our history as Liberty Church. Read, read up our, our church history where churches have believed that God wanted to do something, where drug dealers are running out of town because the church is praying. They don't know where they're getting out of Dodge City, but they're leaving because the atmosphere is being shifted where strongholds and principalities and powers are no longer in control because the people of God know that worship is not about just singing three songs up on a wall. What is about the temple that you are and the sound of God coming out through you that sends something into the atmosphere that causes shifts. No wonder the enemy is after your worship. No wonder he doesn't choose to close you down when you try to get into worship. Because he knows, and I'm excited. And if I haven't given it off yet, I'm not trying to. I just am. So we want you involved. We want your gift. We want your lovely face. We want what God has put into you, your personality, to be involved. This Wednesday night, I was thinking earlier on, it's probably one of the biggest nights of Liberty Church's life. And we're going a few years. Why? Because it propels us into a season. See, if it's God's season, there's fruit. If it's man's season, you'll work hard and toil hard. <laughs> but if it's God's season, we will see the fruit in our lives and in the lives of others. This is, this is why this is on Jeremiah 29, 11. We all know it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to give you hope in the future. If you search for me, you will, be, you will find me. If you search for me, all of your heart will be found by you. That there's this call to seek the heart of God as individuals. But to know and to be encouraged that God has a plan for you. God has a plan. Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Just remember where you are at. You're broken and most loneliest. And in them moments, God says, I have a plan for you still. Remember when you failed them, or others failed them, on your, and, and you were affected by it, and God's saying, I still have a plan for you. I still have a hope. I still have a future. When you blew it, when you went away, when you thought, God, I'm giving up, and you went away, and you knew you couldn't really get away, and you tried to get away, and when, whenever you went, he was there. Whatever you tried to do, he was there. And that call was still, that's because he has a plan for your life. And all he wants is there, yes. See, he doesn't want, uh, look, well, I can intellectually work this stuff out. He doesn't, doesn't give a rip about that. He loves, look, God loves us to learn. And he loves knowledge, so I'm not saying that. But he doesn't, you don't have to try work it out. If you walk it, he'll walk it. If you walk it out, Lord, where are you? Oh, son, you just keep walking that pattern. I'll show you. I'll walk it out. I'll open the doors. I'll open the giftings. I'll give you the opportunities. I'll give you the space. I'll bring the healing. You just walk with me. You just give him your yes. That's why Jesus says in Revelation, Behold, I knock at the door. That's not to the, that's not to the lost. It's great illustration to use to the, lo- use to the lost. But that was to the church. I stand at the door and if you give me your yes, I'll be in. And whatever's going on, I'll walk it out. If you just walk with me, which are yes. He won't kick in the door. A woman says to me recently, I've prayed for her for 20 years, every now and then, to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to be baptized in power, to speak in tongues and to move in the other gifts. And I sometimes I exhausted myself praying for her. And I walk away going, you're such a failure now. God wouldn't even move on your behalf. I know where you've been there, but I've been there hundreds of times. Recently, recently, we were in a meeting, in Blue Vale, it was a prayer meeting, and um, the Lord brought my heart to talk about being 
Acts chapter 2, that they, they, they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And uh, as the Spirit enabled them, so anyway, I went for it again. And uh, seven or eight people said, they want to be prayed for for this. And who did I end up beside? It was Mary. Her name's not Mary, I just, just told Sharon, I wouldn't tell anyone her name. No more than uh, So anyway, there was this woman and another girl. So I went to them first, and it's the same thing. I was praying, I was reading the scriptures, I was telling them, trying and trying, it was me trying. And anyway, I was giving up. And the Holy Spirit says to me, tell them to stand up. So I, told, I said, will you please stand up? And they stood up. And I heard out the woman's mouth, Lord, I desire this. She was giving Jesus her yes. She just started praying. I'm telling you, I was... You couldn't believe the joy that was in my heart, right? And she was like a little baby. Then the other girl, fire a little girl, seven of them, right? And after what she told me, the woman told me, you know her, if she stood there, she'd tell you the story herself. She said, no, I was in a meeting 20 years ago. And I seen people getting touched by God, filled with the Holy Spirit, baptizing in, in, in the Spirit, speaking in tongues, under the power of God. And she said to God, I don't want that. And you know what? I realized... God obliged her. Hello? If that doesn't frighten the living daylight, I don't know what would. That terrifies me. Don't I say, God, I don't want it. And he says, all right, son. Because he's not going to force it on me. And when she said, Lord, exact words, Lord, I desire this. God was released into her life. And I, I promise you, she's never been the same. She's never, I, I, like we know her, you know her, I, we... I know her inside out. She's never been the same. I'd seen her life taken off. Where was that? In the cathedral, in a big church? No, in a little setting where people are gathered. Wednesday night at half seven, I encourage you to be here. And here's another great thing we're finishing. And this is my challenge to us all. Is that your yes to Jesus about following him like, Jesus, I give my heart to you. That's a step. The next step is, Jesus said, follow me and be my disciples. Jesus wants us disciples. Are you sick and tired if you're in this place where you're a Christian forever or recently and you don't know what you think you should know, you don't know how to pray the way you hear other people praying, I, I, I want this but I don't know how to access it. And like, you, you, just, you just end up for years floundering around in Christianity hoping to learn something off the internet hoping to hear, hear something on a Sunday morning that will inspire you, da, 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 you know, but you get inspired and you go out to try to find it and you don't know where to do because you're on your own you don't know what to do Jesus never meant us to be on our own that like we're supposed to be in fellowship but we're also supposed to be in relationships that helps us grow that like when I became a Christian, what kept me was two, a couple from America came up to our flat every Friday and we had someone to ask the questions. What about this? Because we were getting all the questions asked in the flats. Do you know what I mean? Why is that people starving in the world? How do I know? I'm from Dolphins Barn. Like, they wanted me to have the world's life's problems solved. I knew it all. all of a sudden. I said, look, I'll give your heart to Jesus. Not that I came to Mr. Nowrow for every problem in the world, but, but there are legit questions. What happens when someone dies? I didn't notice, and we had Bob and Joy. 
They came up every week. We didn't know how to live as a couple. We didn't know how to be. I didn't know how to be a good fella to share. I didn't know all that. I needed to be taught. What does the Bible say? What does he say about this? What does he about, says about sleeping together outside of marriage? What does he say about lying? What does he say about stealing? We didn't know. When we first got saved, we used to smoke blow and drink flagons of ciders to celebrate our salvation. Because we didn't know until Bob and Joya came and started saying, well, look, it's that caused damage in your past before. Yeah, well, you don't want really to carry that into this. We didn't know we need somebody. I need somebody still to this day. Someone that will be there, someone that will walk with you, someone that will know the, the problems of your life, the failures of your life, the sin of your life, and still love you, and still walk with you, and still encourage you. Look, that's what the Bible says, pity the man who has nobody to pick them up. So being in home church is an invitation to come into discipleship relationships. Whether you're a new Christian, well then the older Christians. Someone says when the new hunting dog comes on the scene, the old hunting dog gets a new life. So remember what we are made for. The same woman I talked about was discipling the girl in the church. And all the weeks she's ringing me. Oh, what does the Bible mean by this? Because the girl that's discipling her is asking the questions. So the disciple are gross. So it's not just about you being discipled, but it's about you discipling others. And the disciple, like you grow because they're going to ask you questions that you haven't thought about in 20 years. That you haven't even, when you hear them, like I'm hearing their going saying, no, I'm, I'm praying for an hour a day, like in the, in the evenings. And I'm like, my goodness, I better get praying. They sharpen you. They share me what we let loose. They, they, they're tight on and they encourage you without even knowing they're encouraging you. That's the invitation that you're not on your own anymore. That you'll be pastored well by the pastors of the home church. That you'll be discipled by people within the church. And you disciple people. And then they disciple people. And you disciple other people. And the church is not an infant anymore. The church will be mature. And the church is... It's not about numbers, believe me. It's about people that know God and is mature to carry the things of God that God wants to do. And guys, that's what's open to us. And you know, we could have said this 10 years ago and go, you know, or two years ago and go, like I would have said, we wouldn't be able to do this. But if we walk it out, the Lord will work it out. Because most of us don't do things because of the what ifs. Or what if that doesn't work? Or what if they don't go? Or what if he doesn't say yeah? What if they, you know what I mean? We, 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 we stop things in our own lives. Lord, why am I not able to live up to what you're, I think you're calling? All the what ifs, but no, if you walk it out, the Lord will work it out. Amen. And he needs your yes.